0: Welcome to the Master It Podcast. I'm your host, Allie McGee. The Master It community is composed of individuals who want to show up as the best version of themselves every single day. We are dedicated to creating small, tiny, daily improvements that compound over time from massive transformation. We act with kindness, integrity, compassion, and grace to ourselves and others around us. We show up ready to learn, be inspired, and inspire others to be great. We lean into the discomfort of change and growth knowing we'll be better humans coming out of it, like a phoenix rising from the ashes. So glad to have you here and let's get to it. Hey, what's up guys? Welcome back to the Master It Podcast. I'm so glad you are tuning in for another episode. It is always great to have you back. And if you're new here, I'm so glad that you decided to hit play. I know there's a ton of podcasts out there, so it's always appreciated that you're coming back to Master It. I am so pumped about today's episode with Chelsea London Lloyd, who is a comedian and grief activist who uses humor to help people cope with their pain. Lloyd grew up with two sick parents, and at age 8, her parents were diagnosed with ALS and breast cancer. Her dad died of ALS when she was 19, and her mom, who lost her own mother to leukemia at 19, currently combats stage 4 metastatic breast cancer, which returned 17 years in remission. Lloyd volunteers and hosts peer-led grief groups via The Dinner Party, mentors a nine-year-old whose mom currently has stage four breast cancer via Walk with Sally, and volunteers each year at Our House grief support via their grief camps. She is on the Council of Advisors for Young Survivors Coalition, the largest organization dedicated to young people affected by breast cancer. When she's not discussing grief or doing comedy, you will find her hosting the podcast Dying of Laughter, featuring interviews with millennial comedians and funny-at-heart humans with a deceased parent or sibling. Guests include Max Alder, who is in Glee and Switched at Birth, Hope Edelman, authors of Motherless Daughters, and Audrey Moore. She is absolutely amazing and has a truly powerful story and so much insight around emotions and grief and coping. So I'm excited to dive into this conversation and just have a real and honest conversation to hopefully help you if you have been, you know, struggling with this. So before we dive into the episode today, I'll invite you to subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss a new episode and leave a written review on Apple Podcasts. This is honestly how we're able to continue to grow the show and have others learn and listen with us all right without further ado here is chelsea london lloyd Hey, what's up guys? Welcome back to the Master of Podcast. I'm here with Chelsea London Lloyd, who is a comedian and host of Dying of Laughter Podcast. Thank you so much, Chelsea, for coming on the show. Thanks girl for having me. Let's laugh. Let's cry. Let's talk about death. Let's do it all. Mm, Love it. I'm so excited that we got connected in the Almost 30 Podcast Accelerator course. That was an amazing course. And it's been fun to watch your podcast kind of grow from it. Thanks, girl. Ditto. I know. Isn't
1: it weird that we all have Online friends now. We have online friends. We don't know our heights. We there's so so much unknown. Yeah. So so
0: unknown. How tall are you? I am five five. What about you? Five five. Yeah. Oh, hey
1: girl. High oh. five. High five. five.
0: <laughs> Love that. Wow, that's amazing. Yes. So glad they brought us together. So glad to have you know this really awesome community and to you know find other like minded individuals. So we can just kind of jump into this. I'm curious. Um, What was your childhood like? And what did that look like growing up? And how did that shape you into who you are today?
1: Yes, queen, the childhood of it all. I'm from the Bay Area. I grew up with my younger sister, two years younger, and my mom and my dad. And when I was eight, my sister was six. My parents were diagnosed with ALS and breast cancer. My dad had... Um, ALS for yeah, my entire life until he didn't. Um, he died when I was 19, so freshman in college, and he was paralyzed for most of my childhood. So a lot of thoughts and interest in death and illness really peaked long before I knew, you know, the seeds were planted. And then my mom's breast cancer was the lesser of the two evils, which is in hindsight really interesting to think about. Oh, well. Her husband's disease was fatal, hers wasn't, so she recovered. And then a few years ago, it returned stage four metastatic breast cancer, which she will combat the rest of her life. So the podcast and my interest in grief counseling and kind of taking all of that to the next level... Um, really came from my second parent's terminal diagnosis. And I also do comedy and I like to laugh and be a fun person and not talk about these things. But the podcast is the intersection of the two. And I'm happy to talk about them both separately or together. That is the very, very short version.
0: Mm, Love that. Thank you so much for sharing. So sorry about your mom and that it came back, but I know she's a tough woman, it sounds like.
1: Yes, girl, lots of tough Lots of toughness. Shout out to anyone's parent who has breast cancer or any other illness or disease. I see you. It sucks. It's hard, but it's a little bit easier to just kind of put it out there, which not everyone, of course, can do or is comfortable doing. But that's why I like podcasts, because you can listen to other people's stories without necessarily having to reveal your own um. So yeah, here we are. Yay podcast. I know you love them too. So thanks yeah. for having
0: me. Yeah, of course. Kind of jumping back to your childhood, did you feel different than the other kids knowing that your parents were going through such tough times? I
1: feel like it's interesting. I feel like every child, you know, has something. Like everyone has that thing that they're like in school, I felt weird about this. And so I I don't know. I, I always felt weird about it, but like I don't think it fully affected me more until I was older and more you know, having this perspective of like, oh, wow, not everyone had two sick parents and like a dad in a wheelchair and a mom who's bald. However, you know, I still had a really good life and upbringing, you know, it it wasn't something that was talked about in my home. So that was definitely kind of why it all bubbled up and exploded into this thing that it is now. But I don't know, it it, it wasn't great. Like I wasn't happy having that experience, but I also, you know, want to be aware that other people have lots of... Everyone has something. Everyone has their thing. That's just kind of what my thing was.
0: Totally. Um, So you say that it all kind of bubbled up and kind of came to the surface. What did that look like for you? I
1: mean, it looks like not addressing the grief of my dad. So, you know, when you're in college, there's so much going on. And I think it was just so stressful to like move and have a whole new life. and, And so he was really sick my entire freshman year so i was like flying back and forth and he didn't talk for the last like year year and a half so just understanding the the gravity of death is is hard for for that i mean for any age so i don't think i it really hit me that oh wow that was pretty young so then a few years later when my mom's diagnosis returned that was really upsetting obviously And I became really interested in exploring my dad's grief. You know, I was like, okay, it's been, it had been six years. And I thought, wow, I should really, really do something about this. So I called like local grief groups. I was like, I feel ready to explore this, especially because he was sick for the majority of my life. And they all said the same thing. We take people up to five years out. And that makes so much sense. You know, there's only so much room, you know, exploration with grief and these harder subjects are kind of more brought to light, I think, in the past decade from social media and accessibility. So I totally understood where they were coming from. And yet I thought, hmm, like, well, what am I going to do with that? And so then I went to a local group in LA, which was for people whose parents had cancer. It's through Cancer Support Community. So, Cancer Support Community is a great resource that has a lot of online resources and virtual help and guidance around cancer. So, definitely recommend them. So, I started going to Cancer Support Community and I walked into the room when I was 25 and the leader of the group said, "Oh, the teen group is next door." And just looked at me like, "You're you're definitely in the wrong room, girl." You know? And I was like, "No, I'm actually here for the adult group." And of course, I was the youngest one there, and most of the people were like grieving the loss of parents much, much older than my own. And interestingly, most of those people in that group were the same age as my mom. So I still went. I went for several months. I still learned a lot from those people. And there was something actually really beautiful about like the age difference, like them learning from me and me learning from them. But I also thought, well, A, I'm kind of more like, open to all of this stuff than others might be. And it's still really, really awkward and bizarre for me. So where are the groups of people in their 20s and 30s or whatever that are talking about this stuff? And so the podcast and my interest in grief counseling, I do virtual grief counseling currently, really just kind of exploded from there. Specifically because I thought, worst case scenario, my mom lives let's say a few months and then I don't have parents and I'm 25. Best case scenario, she for some reason beats all kinds of odds and she lives a very long time, over 10 years let's say, which is what happened with my dad and was very painful in and of itself. Is that better than losing someone right away? I I would argue so but that also is exhausting. So I thought either way like I need to talk about this. I need to talk about this often. I need to talk about this regularly who are the people I'm going to
0: talk about it with? I don't
1: know. So I will become the people. Mm.
0: Oh my gosh. What a powerful story. And I think that's typically when great things are formed, like when you see an area that you're like, I can fill this gap and really support the next generation and you know, help them work through these emotions. Because I think you're right. I, I think a lot of things like mental health and grief and just in really emotions in general are becoming more, um, talked about on social media, which I think is amazing because, you know, here a lot of people are, or were suffering in silence. Um, and now it's like, Oh, we can just like post on social media and like really find genuine connection with some people who might be feeling the same way. So I love that you saw an area of opportunity and just went for it. Cause I think it can be scary, especially with everything that you talk about. It's It can be heavy and hard to work through those things. But I think once you start talking about it, it's a little uncomfortable um, to begin with, but you work through that and then you feel so much better. Um, yeah, so wow. Amazing. Love that you did that and continue to do that. Thank you. So I know that grief can look so freaking different on everyone. When is it maybe a good time to start like reaching out to seek help or I don't know what did grief look like for you, like anything on grief that you want to like touch on? love that yeah when
1: when is the right time to start that whole process i mean i think it'll look different for everyone you know it depends how old you are let's say when someone in your life dies so specifically i'll speak to a few groups of people if you just lost someone you know be nice to yourself cuz that's the absolute most difficult place to be keep in mind you know the first year is of course the most difficult and they say you know it takes people like 1 to 3 years to like really really get to the other side that that sounds like a long time but I have some resources I will plug to to help you out there so just remind yourself you're not going to always feel that way which is a really hard to think just a really hard thing to think about when you first lose someone so i would say definitely opening up the can of worms of how you feel about it sooner rather than later is recommended whether that is with a therapist or a grief counselor, or some other spiritual person or guide, mentor, or friend can be a friend that you know. The Dinner Party is an online group that's doing free virtual grief groups right now for people in their like 20s through 40s. Um, I host a comedy through grief group, but there's, there's like, I don't know, maybe hundreds. There's, there's so many. And what's great is that's for anyone listening, anyone in the world, you can do that and connect with people your own age. So that's kind of a less formal way of doing it. Better help online therapy. I also do that. Really, really recommend virtual therapy if you are not able to access someone in person due to COVID and or whatever else is going on. I think it's a little less terrifying too if you're really, really against or new to therapy. But I would, I would say speaking to someone, even if it's like six weeks, like I'm gonna commit to six weeks of exploring this. Like, do I personally recommend longer than that? Yes, but I baby steps for people just getting in. Um, And if you don't, you know, there's there's different ways of doing it. I do think it will come up later. Like for me, it really came up more than, you know, six years later. So it'll come at some point, but any kind of like weekly release that can be exercise for some people, cooking for some people, or whatever that looks like for you, but really talk, talking it out. You know, I'm a fan of that. Talk, talking out the thing. So are you. We're podcasters. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't know if I answer all the
0: time. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Um, love that. Five years ago, when I first started taking yoga classes, I had no freaking clue what equipment I would need for class. I found a studio that had this rockin' deal that if you bought one of their in-house mats, you got two weeks free of yoga. Obviously, I immediately jumped on this deal. After taking a few classes with my new and very cheap mat, I knew there had to be a better option. I was sliding around, couldn't keep my hands or feet in one spot, and I felt that I wasn't getting the most from each class simply because I was worried about falling over or sliding off the mat. I knew I had to level up my mat to get the most from class. And after shopping around from several different big name brands, I found that if you wanted a high quality mat, it came with a high price tag my stomach would literally churn every time I looked at the price tag. And after finally investing in a mat, my experience in class was truly transformed. I was able to drop in deeper to each pose and get more from each class. It was life-changing. My next thought was to question why the price of these mats were so high. Getting the most magical experience from yoga truly had a high financial barrier around it. This sparked my interest to create a mat that had equal quality, but was available at a much more reasonable price point. Cue the product development phase for Life Simplified Yoga Mats. The journey was long and tedious. There were lots of trial and error when working with manufacturers just to get the right mat that I was looking for. And finally, after months of testing different mats, I finally found the mat that I was longing for. It was thick for the ultimate joint support and cushion, grippy to help you hold each pose without the slip factor crossing your mind, and big enough for you to stretch out in svasana. And boom, the Life Simplified Crystals Collection was born. A mat that's got the same quality as big name brands like Lululemon, Yoga, and Nike without the big price tag. With four beautiful colors available, they are all named after magical crystals due to their healing power, so there's truly one for every mood. My personal favorite is the Amethyst mat. It's this gorgeous purple and always helps me transcend and transform while I'm practicing on this mat. It's magical to say the least shop life simplified yoga mats now at lifesimplified.shop and use the code podcast for 15% off your order. Once again, shop life simplified yoga mats at lifesimplified.shop and use the code podcast P O D C A S T for 15% off your order. The link is in the show notes. Do you find that grief can kind of come in waves? Like maybe in the beginning, it's like some days it hits you like massively and it's hard to get out of bed. And then other days it's like, comes in the afternoon or, you know, maybe with longer periods of time, it comes with like holidays or birthdays or special, you know, days. Do you find that to happen?
1: Yes. Oh my gosh. It's so, that's what's so, yeah. It's so crazy because grief, you know, looks so different, but you also don't really know when to expect it. So I think you hit the nail on the head. It definitely can come in waves. So I would say writing down some things that you can do for yourself when you are really, really overwhelmed due to the emotion of grief or, or any, this kind of works with any difficult emotion, literally writing down things that can help you get out of that hole because it's like we quote unquote know what helps us but we forget like even I like just did this a few months ago with my therapist she was like okay when you're really really upset or you know something else not related to grief that I really struggle with is comparing because I think online this year just exploded so I'm sure people can probably relate to that you're laughing so I see yeah. that yeah Yeah. So sometimes I just have to, she was like, let's write things down that help you get out of that hole. So when you're really frustrated or upset or sad, you look to the list and go down the list. Like number one, Cooking, you know like that's so random. is cooking chicken going to make me feel a hundred percent better? No, it's not, but I do like cooking, so I might go from like fuming to like just mildly displeased. Who knows, so write it down, have that list on your stickies on your computer, notes app on your phone, or like literally handwritten by your bed, whatever, and get to that list if you're if you're feeling it. What else? What else can we do? You know just like we have to take care of ourselves and. Even people that are in regular therapy, that's what once a week, maybe twice. So anything we can do to support ourselves is so helpful. I was watching a TED talk and this woman was saying, Raise your hand if the person you talk to most on this earth is your partner. A bunch of hands went up. Raise your hand if the person you talk to most on this earth is your mom. A bunch of hands went up. She goes down the list. And then at the end, she had this like profound realization speech about how actually the person we talk to most is ourselves. And we're so mean to ourselves and we don't help ourselves even though we help other people. So I think if we all can try and help ourselves just a little bit more than we do, we'd be in good shape.
0: Freaking powerful. Oh my gosh. And I think you bring up a great point of how we should have this list that can bring us from our current, maybe like current low state to a different state. It doesn't necessarily have to be like joy or happiness or anything, you know, it doesn't have to be this massive swing. In fact, I don't think it should be a massive swing. I think it should just be like a couple notches, You you know, like just a little bit. So then you can just, see a different perspective versus trying to like strive for like this massive change when I think when you're in a low place, it's hard to see, you know, the light at the end of the tunnel. So just like taking these baby steps and doing just little things to get you in that different um, perspective can be huge.
1: Yes. 100%. 100%. Yeah. Massive swing. I see what you mean. It's like, wow, what does that mean? But yeah, just a few notches down is is still something. So yes, definitely agree. Mm.
0: Yes. And I think being kind to yourself and carving out that time for yourself is key because I know I compare myself to everyone and it's, you know, something I'm trying to work on, but also like carving out instead of saying yes to everyone, saying yes to myself more yes. and like, really valuing that and um, getting in tune with what I need. Um, So little self-care tangent. I'm curious, what are some of your favorite self-care practices or how do you get back to like feeling like the best version of yourself?
1: Oh my gosh. I'm always on a journey, still figuring it out myself, but off the top of my head, I'm glad you asked because I had a lot of resistance to the idea of self-care for a long time because I just thought like how much do these things really help? Like I said, is cooking chicken going to make me feel joyous? Like, I don't know, maybe maybe some days, like, sure. (laughs) Made some jerk chicken the other day. It's actually quite good. But something that I realize is exactly what you're saying about, it's not the full swing, but it can take you down a few notches. And I also like the idea of creating space in advance. So, you know, sometimes we we don't know if this next week is going to be horrible. So it's Saturday right now. Maybe on Sunday, doing an hour or two of self-care might feel indulgent or might feel not necessary. Like, oh, I'm actually feeling good today. But then what if shit really hits the fan on Monday or Tuesday? You're going to be slightly less peeved having practiced some kind of self-care. So something that helped me shift my perspective around that was kind of preemptively doing things in advance so that you're at a more neutral state and you're ready to take on what can come to mind as to what I do huge bath fan obsessed love it don't don't ever not want to do it just need to close my eyes need to have it be silent need it to be a dark time i just feel like most people hopefully have access to a bath as opposed to like needing to go to the spa right so just like getting some bath salts or a nice candle having a moment. Cooking really helps me because it's creative. Even if you're a horrible cook, like I'm not the best, but just being like, cool. A salad didn't exist. Now it did with some chicken. I made that. There's a sense of accomplishment and just like a little tiny bit of creativity and huge fans of walks. One of my best friends from high school played professional volleyball in college. And then she played in France for a year. Um, Just very, very, very athletic, much more so than I ever will be in my life. And she, at some point, tore something in her knee. Her knee was not doing well. So, you know, is not playing professionally anymore and just, yeah, has a a knee issue. And she moved to Boston last year in the pandemic and she was going to get knee surgery. But when the pandemic hit, it had to be pushed and it was just kind of like a mess. So she started walking every single day. She was walking five miles a day. I know that's a lot. Not saying everyone needs to do that. I don't personally do that. But she was walking five miles a day because she couldn't work out in the way that she wanted to. And she had a really great knee surgeon who works on professional athletes, like very, very fancy knee surgeon. And she went for like a final consultation for knee surgery. And he said, I've never seen this before. I've been working in this field for 50 years. Your knee is healed. We do not need to do surgery. And he is making this whole experience into a speech that he's going to take to fancy pants athlete conferences about the power of walking. This is one of my closest friends, healed herself through walking. And he's like, I've never, ever, ever seen anyone not need to get the surgery that you're going to get. I wish I knew more details about it, but I just think it's so interesting. He's literally using her as an example for a book so if we can all just take that and be like, cool, can I walk for 15 minutes here and there? Because the power of walking is huge.
0: Mm. Wow. That's freaking incredible. Oh my gosh. I'm currently in physical therapy for my knee. So I'm like slightly jealous. I'm like, okay, more walking. Got to do this. <laughs> oh my gosh. What's going on with your knee? I'm sorry. Um, I don't know. I trained for triathlon. So I just kind of like goofed it up one day and I'm just like... You're training for a triathlon? That's me. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. It's cool. It's fun. Little side project.
1: <laughs> Congratulations. That's a really big deal.
0: Thanks. Appreciate it. Um, But yeah, I think walking super underrated. I think people, um, think that, you know, getting out of their current state has to be this like massive, like crazy CrossFit exercise or this huge, massive workout when I'm like, no, we can just go like walk for like 15 minutes. Like you said, I think that's a really great alternative and just get out in nature and just, it doesn't have to be this huge thing. Like we can make it so accessible.
1: Yes. I hope that people can go for a little walk around the block and know that that does have an impact on their health and their mental health. So
0: Mm. yeah. Two for one. We love those. (laughs) Yes. Two
1: for one. We don't have time. We need to get those two for ones. And thank us for podcasts, right? Like it's the perfect thing to do while on a walk, you know?
0: Yes. Listen to it. Subscribe to our podcast. (laughs) I mean, they're already
1: subscribed to yours if they're here. Yeah. We'll subscribe
0: to yeah chelsea's dying of laughter we'll plug her later <laughs> thanks girl extra plug mid-roll plug thank you yeah <laughs> amazing okay so you mentor um individuals what sparked this idea for you to go out and mentor others
1: oh girl okay this is a hard one this is like a raw moment mm. you're like, yay podcast rawness loving it um mm. It's not something I've been super open about yet. I'm going to do a solo episode about it. I don't know in the next few months. But so specifically, I mentor a nine-year-old. It's a program called Walk With Sally. I started it last year. So that's the most profound mentorship program that I'm a part of. In addition, my virtual grief groups is, I would say, mentor adjacent because it's peer-led. So it's people my own age. So is that mentorship? Like, sure, yes, no, maybe. So specifically with the nine-year-old, this has been a profound, profound shift in my life. I started it during the pandemic because I was really, really low about comedy, traditional acting, and things I was doing professionally halting. Even as and when it fully comes back, you know, the entertainment industry is so fickle. When you have momentum, it's kind of like lightning in a bottle, I did have some at the time of this shutting down. It can sometimes take two or three years to like get back into those grooves. It's kind of hard to explain. That's sort of a whole other podcast episode. But just understanding that my momentum was halted. I had just been for a few years like really like struggling to come back on top. And then I felt like I was. Also, processing the immense privilege that comes with all these opportunities in being able to pursue my dreams that not everyone gets to do. You know, it was just a lot. We we all have been through a lot of shift and change in this past year. Um, I gave up my apartment that I had been in LA for seven years. Um, I had roommates. We all kind of just decided. Then my car lease was up. So I gave up my apartment and my car. I moved to my mom's house for six months. San Francisco, saved money. It was great. Spent time with her. You know, she has cancer, all these good things, but it was still just so much change and shift and bizarre. And just like, it was just a lot of things. And so I was feeling really, really sorry for myself. And I thought, well, A, I'm going to honor how I'm feeling because so many people think that they can't feel that way because someone has it worse and they do. So got my ass into regular therapy. Haven't missed a week since last March. Very proud of that. Thank you to virtual therapy that, you know, there's not like traffic and auditions and BS where you can miss. Like you can really make it work for you. Huge fan again of BetterHelp because you can schedule a different time every week, which I think is awesome for people with untraditional schedules. Anyways, still felt sorry for myself, was doing the work to get out of the rut. But when I came back to it, you know, in therapy, they make you talk to your, or they don't, excuse me, they don't make you, but we were doing some exercises around talking to your inner child and talking to your small self because I have all this stuff that comes up around identifying so much with my career. And when that's not happening or not happening successfully or the way that you want it to, you know, I was, lo- I lost touch with myself because if I'm not a comedian and I'm not performing, then who am I? And even when I get to do it again, if it's not like really, really spicy and like going well, who am I? And, and how do I add value um, to the world? Which I know I do. In ways, in grief spaces. However, I just thought I was really at rock bottom. Like, what, what, like, what else? What, like, what else? I was just getting curious. What else is there? Got a call from Walk with Sally. I'd done the training a few years ago and not gotten matched, and I don't really know why, but maybe it wasn't meant to be. And and then all of a sudden it was. I said, "We have a little girl whose mom has stage four metastatic breast cancer. You know, your mom does too." You know, we think this is a great match. All of these things about it didn't make sense. I was, I knew that I was going to be leaving LA for a bit. I knew I had to pack up my apartment and I was going to be back, but there was just all of these weird things. She was also a single parent. I was really, really touched thinking about me being this child's age. So we were the same age when our moms were diagnosed with breast cancer. That experience profoundly affected me. Clearly, here we are, Have a Grief podcast. And yet, here I am all these years later, I'm 29, my mom is still alive. What if she had not recovered that first time? So started mentoring. Um, we did once a month in person, like an all-day time, and then once a week on Zoom really incredible that Zoom can have those powerful benefits. And, and that's what we're still doing. And it was really, really profound and beautiful in every possible way. And unfortunately, her mom, a few months later, did pass away from breast cancer, which was unexpected even for me, who was pretty prepared about these sorts of things. Um, she was feeling really well. And it just just she went into the hospital Christmas weekend and didn't come out. And it was like, so, I mean, intense is an understatement. So it's kind of, yeah, that's probably what I'll say about that for now or else the whole rest of this podcast could easily be about that. But you know, the child, I'm just not saying her name. I don't know why, just because let's not, I guess. Um, So the child, she has moved, she does have other family. She's about 90 minutes away from L.A. now. And, you know, children are resilient. There are other people that will lift her up one day at a time. I'm very proud to be mentoring her and to be a force in her life. We regularly communicate about her mom and missing her mom and do crafts about her mom and all of these things. And it's hard. I mean, it's hard. She has a lot of challenges coming up, right? You know, not having biological parents, being in the low-income bracket, moving away from friends, being on Zoom school this past year in fourth grade, not having the resources to have extracurricular XYZ, nanny help, blah blah And the biggest takeaway that I had is not even specifically about cancer because that is atrocious and horrible. And yet I have some perspective around that. My biggest learning from this experience was how the pandemic affected people in the low income brackets disproportionately to other groups, specifically children who don't have access to after school. Like, okay, this teacher is going to come to our neighborhood and teach some of our kids in a pod or tutor them this way, or even like let's pay for virtual dance class, right? Like all of these things that are of course not as profound as being in person, but I'm sure a lot of kids were doing a lot of cool virtual stuff, right? And if you are not of a community or you don't have the accessibility or knowledge around that stuff or you know, don't know where to find it or can't pay for it, et cetera, a lot of these kids were on... TikTok for literally 12 hours a day. I'm not exaggerating. Like TikTok is their nanny. So having that understanding as to like, okay, it's never gonna feel like enough. I'm always gonna struggle with this. Like me doing a Zoom with her for two hours that week is is just two hours. But that two hours is something for her to look forward to and something for her to do with a person who cares and will listen to her. And then she'll be back to TikTok. And that is how it is. But if anyone listening feels like they're curious about mentoring or curious about giving back in some way, I cannot recommend it enough. It's profoundly impacted my life. It sounds really, really sad. And if you're scared and sad, that's fine because it is scary and sad. But it's really, really also been so rewarding and positive. And if I had known it would have worked out this way, who knows what would have happened. But here we are, and I'm holding the space. And it really stemmed from hitting
0: rock bottom last year. That was a very long tangent, but that is where I'm at. Well, thank you so much for sharing. Um, I'm so glad that even though it was scary, a, a little scary and, and probably very sad at times, um, that everything, all the positives like kind of outweighed everything that you were able to connect with this little girl and like give her something to look forward to and just be a bright shining light for her and a consistent during all of this, like up leveling and shifting and just unstable situations. So I think that's really, really powerful, especially at such a young age. Um, so I'm so glad that you do that. That's awesome. Thank you. Love that. Over the last year, we've come to realize how important self-care truly is. And taking care of yourself is honestly easier than ever with Asutra. This female-owned brand stands for Empowering Active Self-Care That Isn't Selfish. At Asutra, they know that by taking care of yourself on purpose, you'll feel better both physically and mentally, allowing you to take on anything. All of their products are natural and safe and massive bonus here, are made at an accessible price point. Plus, they use organic plants, minerals, and essential oils, never test on animals. Their products are all PETA certified and cruelty-free and none of their products contain parabens, phthalates, or petroleum. I'm honestly obsessed with their products and I've been currently fixated on their Everyday Magnesium Lotion. This lotion makes replenishing your daily magnesium an easy part of your routine with a lemongrass scent it instantly makes you feel calm and relaxed and for after runs and long workouts i love their melt pain away this is a magnesium body butter that has capsaicin in it which is a natural pain relief cream Mm, it's so dreamy and uh, i'm obsessed After a session on my mat, I love to use their Yoga Mat Detox Spray. It's an all-natural cleanser that can be used on other gym equipment too, so not just your mat, but whatever equipment you've been using, and we know that we love to be sanitary. It's so versatile and comes in a variety of scents. My personal favorites are the lavender and the peppermint sprays. Mm, They are dreamy. I'm excited to have partnered with this brand because it is literally so aligned with Life Simplified, my health and wellness brand, and the Master It podcast. So I've got an exclusive discount for my listeners. Use the code ALI15 at checkout for 15% off your order. That's A-L-I-1-5 for 15% off your order. Link is in the show notes to shop now at asutra.com. Okay, so I know you mentioned some resources before, but do you have any others um, for people who might have lost someone close to them recently or not even recently?
1: Yes, also big fan of the non-recent club. If you're like, I lost someone a long time, I should feel XYZ about it. Let's talk, Um, huge fan of that. So some resources, The Power of Now is a prolific and extraordinary book. Oprah is obsessed, if that means anything. It was on her book club. It's just a wonderful book about living in the present moment. It's actually not grief specific. So I would recommend this to anyone listening, grieving or not. It's just about the power of, of right now, You know, reading it, transform my life. Saying Goodbye is also a book about saying goodbye if that is something that you're going through right now. The Dinner Party has online virtual grief groups, like I mentioned. They also have a buddy system. So if you're more into one-on-one, they can match you specifically with someone who lost someone ideally in a similar way to what you went through. Modern Loss is an online community. It also is a book of short essays about loss, not actually specific to parents. So, if someone, let's say, has lost like a a music teacher from childhood, or more commonly, a grandparent, aunt, or uncle, I think Modern Loss is a good, like, dipping the toe into the water of like accessible stories. They also have Fatherless Father's Day gift swapped as well as Motherless Mother's Day sibling loss day and a holiday gift swap. So if you have lost someone, they can match you with someone and then you get each other gifts like a secret Santa situation. So those are some resources that come to mind. And if you want to listen to other people's stories, my podcast every week is highlighting a story of someone who has experienced loss of their parent or sibling in the comedy or wellness space. So... Um, yeah, I think those are some resources that come to mind. I'll let you know if I think of more. But yeah. Mm, love
0: that. Um, I think you're about the fourth person to recommend the power of now on here. <gasps> really? Yeah. So I'm like, it's like the top of my list right now to go read. <laughs> so I'm like, I have this rule. If I hear it once, it goes on the list. If I hear it a second time, it gets bumped up. And third time, I'm like, oh, okay, it's the next one. So now you just Sign sealed, delivered. I'm like, all right, it's the next one. (laughs) I love that so many
1: people have recommended that. That's hilarious. Yeah. I also recommend Libby. It's the public library's free app and it is amazing. You can rent books for free and it automatically sends it back when you're done. This works on your Kindle. So Kindle fans or Kindle curious people, (laughs) hop on the Libby for this. It also goes to your iPad, computer or phone and specifically, if you're like, I don't want to read on a screen, I feel that free audio books, free audio books. Hello. I mean, signed, sealed, delivered. Normally, those things are like 30 bucks, which is fine, except you only listen to it once. And then what? So you can rent free audio books. The only thing is with Libby, you do have to wait because it's a library and because everyone thinks it's cool. But like waiting a few months for an audiobook, I think is totally cool and worth it. So check that out. Listeners.
0: Uh, love that! Oh my gosh, amazing. Um, okay, and tell us the name of your podcast. Where we can find you? Where can we connect with you on social? Plug all the things so we can link up.
1: Oh, uh, thank you, Allie. Okay, I'm on Instagram at chels. Who else? So that's like chels. Who? Who else? Like who else would it be but chels? Um, that's my comedy page, and then Dying of Laughter podcast on Instagram as well. Dying of Laughter is the name of the podcast. Um, I have a newsletter with free resources. And you can also email me at dyingoflaughterpodcast at gmail.com if you want to nominate a guest or just like chat or tell me your grief story or DM me or whatever. Like happy to chat about all the grief things. It's literally what I do. So (laughs) yeah, don't be afraid to to reach out. Happy to connect.
0: Love that. Well, thank you so much for being so vulnerable and sharing so much. Um, I can't wait to get this episode out. Thank you, Allie, for having
1: me on. Thank you for what you're doing with your podcast and shedding light on all of these things and living in the mess and the truth of it all. I really appreciate it. So yeah, excited to one day in person, have a moment. I love that we've just been onlining it up. We just onlined it up, which
0: is what we do. <laughs> <laughs> onlined it up. I love that. Oh my gosh. Thank you. Thank you.